Well, hey, it's uh, it's time to start. Eleven thirty, right? So when I, we got it. All right, let's do this. Hey, um, I I did want to uh, before we start. I have, um, I'm Derek, by the way. I am a kids pastor at uh, People's Church in Cincinnati, and I have been on staff now um, at People's Church since 2001. And so I've been in the same church with the same pastor, and I have been blessed to be a part of a, of a healthy church that loves kids and loves people. Um, we have been a church over the years that has transitioned from a church that was 98% white to a church that is now 45% Caucasian, 25% international, 30% African American. Um, and it was all done on the purpose of we have to tackle our issues in America. And if a church can't talk about race and a church can't talk about these things, how is the society going to do it in a healthy way? And uh, so it is fantastic. It is fun to work in a, in a building, in a place where you have people from all different nationalities and, and all the different generations coming in. And it was a lot of work. It was, it was hard, but it was all done intentionally to unify the body of Christ, to show the world who Jesus is. And it's just been a, a fantastic place to serve. So, um, yeah, for the last 19 years, I've, I have been there and have loved every minute of, of kids ministry not everything's been easy um, but it has been it has been a blast and when we come to conferences like this I know a lot of times you're just getting information and information and information and the thing I want to challenge you guys with is when you leave today don't feel like what I'm doing is not working okay don't walk out of these doors at the end of the day discouraged because it's easy to do that you're getting all these notes like oh I, I missed the mark here I'm missing the mark here that is not what this is about it's not about showing you what you're doing wrong. It's about helping you to get to a, a better place to excel at what you're already doing um, and giving you more tools to just use your sweet spot. Because what my sweet spot is and what I'm good at is not maybe what somebody else is. And there's people in you guys. I could learn a ton from you in here. Um, and I would love to learn from you guys. It's just we're in this little here. And so um, don't leave these places like I'm, I'm just not doing well in the world, world of kids ministry. I assume that's where everybody's in. You all work with kids. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you are important. You are needed. And I love the word that Travis gave us today. You know, for the most part, all of us, we are those lunchbox packers. We're, we're not seen. We're not on the stage. We're not glorified and all these things. We're down in the trenches. And the greatest thing is that what you guys are doing is you are introducing a kid to Jesus in that moment. And they see Jesus in you. And so whatever you're doing to them, just do it with excellence and Know that what you do does matter. What you do is important. And you might not see it now, but years down the road, those kids will remember it. Um, the great thing about being in the same place for 19 years is there are kids now that are graduating that I showed up at the hospital when they were born. And, and they're still like, hey, Pastor Derek, I'm so happy that you came to my high school graduation. And then I look at them, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm not that old. And, and, and it, it kind of catches up to you because your audience never changes. Your audience is the same age every year, right? And you're the only one in the room that's getting older. So just realize that. And, 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 and yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. And look, I'm talking to myself, too. We, we kind of joked. I joked in our, our, our area meeting yesterday um, about this idea of the whole Ohio for Jesus plan, this 10-year strategy. And I started laughing because I was like, oh, man, in 10 years, I'll be 50. You know, and I just kind of chuckled to myself. But I'm like, yeah, and she says, she says, I'm 50 now, right? And I was like, but it, it really helped me to think is, but in 10 years, our 10-year-olds will be the ones leading this. 
And so the importance that we have right now to do that. And so I just want to encourage you, and I do want to pray for you guys, because what you do is important. And, man, I'm thankful that there is this many people in a room saying, we love kids and we want to show them Jesus. So can I pray for you guys? All right. God, I am so thankful for this room of, of men and women who love you, first off. God, that they realize the struggles and they, they realize the difficulties that they have in their own ministries. And they're here because they want to do an even greater job of impacting the world and introducing kids for Jesus. God, we, I ask that you right now that you would just help us to retain the information that we are learning in, in these different sessions. And that, that we wouldn't walk out of this place discouraged, but we would walk out energized and say, I'm ready to, as we say in Ohio Kidman, ready to change the world. And God, I pray that today all of us would go out and change the world that's around us. God, and we would show this world Jesus because we are unified in doing it together. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if thanks. Oh, sorry. We got tissues just for you. There we go. So um, we're, we're talking about how do we help kids and families talk about life's hard questions. And um, if any of you have kids or you because you work with kids, you know that what it's like to be surprised by a tough question when it comes up in your life. And it can come at any time. Kids don't care. There's no time frame of when a kid's going to drop that tough question that tough question on you. It's going to come at breakfast. It'll come at bedtime. It's going to come in the back seat. It's going to come when, hey, can I, anyone got anything to pray with me about? Yeah, I want you to pray that my mom stops cussing. And you know that mom. And you start to laugh because you're like, there's no way that mom cusses. Or like my little five-year-old that came over to me and her dad picked her up. And she comes running in and she's like, Pastor Derek, I'm like, yeah, sweetie, what's going on? I get down to her level, and she's like, I pray every night for my dad because he's got a temper, and he needs to control his tongue, and he's standing right behind her. I look at him, I'm like, good for you, all right, you know? <laughs> like, you know, what do you say to that? You know, she's just being so innocent, and it's like in that moment, you're like, what do you do? How do you respond to these kids? And, and these questions are like, you know, I know she died, but is grandma coming back? They don't quite get that concept of, yeah, but is she, is she just sleeping? Because it just looks like she's in bed. How do you do that? Or why, why is your skin darker than mommy's? Kids ask these questions. There was a little boy that was sitting in the, and where I was getting my, getting my hair cut um, at the barber shop, and the little boy's sitting there, and, he, and his dad was cutting hair, and, and the other guy was cutting my hair, and he's like, hey, dad, is, is Ami's skin brown or white like mine? And he's like, my skin's brown, buddy. You know, and it's like, it's like this kind of funny thing. And the kids, but kids see this. They just straight up ask it. The ever-famous, where do babies come from? Oh, it's been asked many times. You know, I have two girls. It gets asked, trust me. Um, is Santa real? For some of us, that might not seem like a really big question, but for some of your families and your churches, dude, that is going to be the hardest question they've ever had to answer in their life. And you still get presents from him. There you go. He's real, right? And so you got that. Um, you get questions from kids like, why isn't dad living us with us anymore? It, you know, kids in their earlier age, they know what sex is. Whether we want to believe it or not, they know it, okay? And they're going to ask it, what, what is it? And most, if not all, parents have had no preparation or actually not prepared. And there's quite a bit of preparation for things like this, you know? Um, the rest is daunting. And especially when the tough parts of life actually happen within your families and in your families within your churches. And kids more than ever need to know that their parents, their grown-ups, anybody that is a part of their life as an adult is there and willing to listen to them and have these types of conversations. That the reality is the rest of society is already having these conversations with the kids. And so you as kids workers have these hard conversations 
but we also realize that all of us in this room could come up with dozens of reasons why we don't have these conversations. I'm worried that I won't say the right thing. Anyone ever said that? I'm worried I won't say the right thing, yeah. I'm afraid I'm not gonna know how to explain it. Um, I don't wanna look stupid if I can't answer the question. Or you know, it takes too long to explain complex things. My kids aren't ready for that conversation. Um, my parents never talked to me and I turned out okay. You know, that's the reality. That's what, these are all things that we, we do struggle with. And there are usually two opposing errors in talking to kids. There's one of some of us are too protective. And you don't want to mention the hard things for that child's life because we're afraid that if we give them too much information, they're going to run and do those things. Um, and we're also afraid that if we give them the wrong information, it's going to come back to haunt us in, in the end. We don't want to give them the wrong ideas and maybe that they've never had on their own, and so we don't want to do that. Um, on the other side, there are parents that talk to their children way too openly, and they talk to their five-year-old like she's a 35-year-old and gives that child way more information than that child can actually, in that moment, can actually comprehend. And so one thing these two groups share in common is that many of them believe that the difficult topics shouldn't be addressed in normal, everyday conversations and that they should be addressed when the crisis is happening and then only addressed once. So instead, the lines of communication are never open. Crisis happens. You jump right in. And, oh, we're going to talk about this right now. And then you run out of there, and that kid's left standing there like, I don't know what they just said, but I know it was bad because of, of the response that mom or the response that dad, the response that that grown-up gave me. They seemed stressed. They seemed like they couldn't handle it. That must not be a good thing that we just talked about. In reality, it might not have been that big of a deal if you just handled it in a much different way. And so in our lines of communication, they stay open. We are telling kids that they're welcome to ask any question and talk about anything that is bothering them or happening around them. And we need to be careful about being reactive. When we're caught off guard, our communication isn't carefully planned. And then words come out of us that are not clear and may be filled with unneeded emotion. We either try to patch the hole in the boat or we ignore the hole in the boat and neither of those approaches works. So when we begin having conversations with kids, start early. Start when they're two and three, when they're one. You begin to build these things and you're allowing that freedom. But if the child is 10, 11, 12 and never had these hard conversations, you're not too late to start having these things in different ways. And you got to remember that conversations that are hard conversations that are difficult no matter what scale from a level one difficulty or a hundred difficulty they take time and they need to be brought up more than just one time so when you get the tough questions listen for what the child is really asking okay don't rush to answer you pause and ask for clarification and this does a few things first it buys you more time to choose what you were going to say all right and it also stops you from answering the wrong question. There's a joke I saw recently and I was, when I was preparing for this, and it was about a little boy. And the little boy goes, hey, Dad, where does, uh, where does poo come from? And his father answers, well, son, food passes down the esophagus and into the stomach where digestive enzymes induce a probiotic reaction, and then waste enters the colon, whereupon it enters the rectum and finally emerges as poo. And the boy's like, wow, so where does Tigger come from? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so in that instance, he was really like, I can't wait to answer this question for my son. He's even knew it. But he wasn't really asking and listening to what his son was really saying. 
And in that instance, answering back, why are you asking, would have been way more helpful than just diving right in and explaining where poo comes from and what this dad thought. Because kids may not actually be asking what you think they're asking you. You may be about to give them too much information that they don't want or that they're not ready for, so you pause. Pause before you're ready to respond and make sure you're really answering the question with the right amount of information that they can handle at that moment. My oldest daughter is 11 right now, and at an early age, she, <laughs> she had an intense hatred for Santa Claus. She hated the man. We'd go to the mall in the wintertime. She's like, I hate that guy. You know, she just looked at him, and, you know, that was really hard for my, for my mom because my mom was all about Santa and wanted to do Santa, and I can't wait to do Santa with my kids because she did it with us, and she saw the joy that it brought to us as kids, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. I'm like, Ma, she hates Santa Claus. You know, and she's like, but I'm like, I remember the Christmas she came home, and I'm like, you better change every present that says Santa. You better change it to, to Gigi or whatever. That's what they call my mom is Gigi, but you better change it to Gigi, or you better put my name on it, you know, because she's not going to open this present. She hates Santa, and she's probably about three during this time, and one day just out of the blue, it's Christmas time. She's seen Santa at the mall, and she just comes over to me, and out of the blue, she's like, how old is Santa? And I said, oh, sweetie, he's old, you know, and because you're like, do we play the game with her or do we not? Let's, let's see how this plays out. And it's like, oh, he's old. She's like, well, can't be as old as God. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, you, you're right. No one is as old as God. And her next question threw me. So he's dead, isn't he? You know, I'm like, okay, how do I answer this question for this child? I know she hates Santa Claus. And now she's just flat out asking me, is the dude dead? She's really asking some Okay, and why do you want to know this? Why do you want to know this, Lily? Why do you want to know? I really want to know the truth. And so she's saying this at three. I want to know if he's dead. Because he can't live forever. And I'm like, okay. So inside, I'm laughing, you know, so hard <laughs> because I knew how much she hates Santa. And, and, and I stopped for a minute, and I began to explain this. All right, let me tell you something. The real Santa Claus lived a long time ago. And he did love Jesus. The man loved Jesus. And the story of Santa is this. He went around and he was helping children and giving them gifts. And why did he do it? He gave them gifts to show them who Jesus was. I gave her truth in that moment, brought in the story of who this man was. And I goes, and that is why today he is still celebrated in joy in this time of Christmas and for kids because his legacy of loving Jesus is now showing other kids in the world who he is and what he's done and so she's like i knew it i knew he was dead i didn't want that fat man sneaking inside my house anyways and so i'm like okay you missed the part of it but we got to that place and so then i got the ever loving phone call the next day from preschool hi derek i'm like yeah lily just told the entire class that santa's dead and so i and i I just laughed. I'm like, well, she didn't lie. You know, I was like, you know, and the teacher's like, can we just please tell her not to do that? And so we had to have it again. Lily, I know you know the truth now about this, but can we not just tell everybody that you know this truth? And, and you know, for, for her, as she kind of got older, she's like, man, I just don't care about parents lie to their kids. Just tell us the truth in the first place. Tell us where the presents really come from, that they come from you because you spent that money, not this guy. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, you're just great. Thank you. But you're having these little conversations long ago and then she just kind of looked at me and she said I knew deer couldn't fly anyway so whatever I'm like yeah so that's been fun so the other thing give them give them facts and be truthful 
but at a pace that they can manage. And if you want to write these down, you can come write these down later if I'm talking too fast. Whether you are breaking news about the death of a loved one, a job loss, a serious illness, it's important to understand that children process information a little at a time. And so that means, again, you should be prepared to revisit the topic perhaps many times. Children take information from us like they eat apples. You know, they take a bite of it and then they walk, they set it down and they walk around the room and then they come back and wonder why their apple's brown and they get mad and they take another bite out of it. They nibble at things and that's how they receive information from us, especially when it's difficult. They need it in small bites. We need to take breaks. They need to circle back and we need to be ready to have that conversation again. And instead of them circling back to us, we need to be the ones that circle back to them. Again, have that conversation. You said it once, you talked about this, go back to them and have a conversation again. And that comes for those not so tough topics too. Just circle back. How's your day at school? Oh, it was good. Circle back. Hey, what did you do at school? You're gonna get more information out of them and you're gonna really find out what really is happening in their day. If you continue to circle back, just give them a little bit of time. Don't just fire hose a kid and knock them <coughs> over with. What'd you do? I wanna know everything, I wanna know this, and I wanna, no, they don't wanna give you those answers because it's just too much information at that time. Um, it is something that I'm talking to you guys about, but it's something that I've had to do with my kids um, a few times, many times in these past three years. The first was um, I had to actually explain to my kids, they were five and seven at the time that their, their grandpa died <coughs> unexpectedly. You know, that was hard for me because you're just like, dude, how do you, like one day you're here and the next day you're just, you're just not alive. Um, because my dad went to work and he fell off a building at work. And I get the phone call from my aunts and uncles and, you know, my dad and I didn't have a real relationship when we were kids. And so as an adult, we began to build this relationship. As my <coughs> girls got older, they had a relationship with their grandpa. And I remember it was an, my, one of my aunts from Texas called and I'm like, why is she calling me? She hasn't talked to me in 30 years. What in the world? She's like, Derek, are you driving? And I instantly I'm like, oh, grandma died. You know, or because my, my grandfather had passed away earlier. Grandma must have passed away too. You know, my grandma now is like 90, you know. And so I was like, oh, maybe grandma must have died. And she's like, no, I really need to make sure that you're not driving. Your dad's not here. I'm like, what do you mean he's not here? Yeah, he's not with me. She's like, no, no, your dad, your dad died. And I was like, okay, how? He was at work. He stepped <coughs> on a board. The board broke and he fell 40 feet and he's not, not alive anymore. And so I'm in, I'm in my front yard having this conversation because I knew it wasn't bad. I didn't want to have this conversation in the house with my kids. And then all of a sudden the kids come running out of the house and I'm just slumped on the ground like, what in the world am I, am I hearing? Like, Dad, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm not okay right now. And so then I have to go to them. I'm like, girls, we need to talk. Grandpa's, grandpa's not alive. What do you mean he's not alive? How do you die at work? And they're having all these conversations. And then, then they begin to get into, well, did grandpa go to heaven? Well, they knew the story of my dad. They knew my dad was not a, a believer. You know, growing up, my dad was a drug addict. My dad was an alcoholic. That is why my mom wanted him out of our life. And so my dad was out of our life for this time. And then only, the only times that my, they didn't know a whole lot about that, but they just knew grandpa did bad things. And grandpa didn't live a life that was really good. But for the last seven years, they knew that grandpa was doing great. And uh, they had a great relationship with my dad. And so sitting there like, is grandpa going to heaven? What do you answer to that? And I said, you want to know something, girls? Before Grandpa died, I went to my Grandpa's funeral, and we rode in the car together, and I shared the story. And I asked him, Dad, how are you doing with Jesus? And he's like, I'm reading my Bible. I believe that he died for me. 
and I share these things with the girls, and they're like, so he loves Jesus, right? And I'm like, he told me he did. That's all we can go for. I didn't make something up. I didn't go into all these other facts and say, oh, yeah, sweetie, he's in heaven, not knowing if it was in my heart. I didn't. You don't make stuff up. Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth, because if they hear a different story about something else that's going on, they're going to hear it here, and they're going to wonder, did you lie to me about this? And it brought them at peace. And then they asked, well, how did Grandpa die? And you're like, how much information do I really want to give you? And so instead of giving all the facts and what happened, I'm like, Grandpa had an accident at work, and he died at work. Then that brings another question. Well, Dad, will you die at work? I don't know. And it's okay to say, I don't know. Because it's the truth. You don't know. Um, the other was way more recent. And I've had to learn to give facts in a very slow um, way. And I'm going to be very vulnerable here in this moment. So with Easter of uh, 2018, um, my two daughters were giving news that their life changed drastically. And... Uh, my wife, prior to that, had decided, hey, I don't want to be a part of this marriage anymore and had started a relationship with someone else. That was just the truth. And so we had gone into counseling for months and months and months, and we're like, well, I can get through this. You know, I can make it through this if you'll just work with me. Work with me. We can get through this. And, you know, and as you're having people pray and you're having people pray and this is going to be the outcome and friends in here prayed with me and leadership in Ohio were praying with me, pastors are praying with me, my pastor's praying, my board's praying. We're like, we can get through this. And after many, many months of counseling, we just got to a place. I'm like, what are we doing? She's like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. So it was Easter. And I'm like, then we've got to tell the kids. And so she tells the kids, they're coming with me for that weekend. And I'm sitting in church. And I'm like, I got a choice to say what I want to. I can share the hurt. I can share the anger. Because it's true. I can share truth. But how much truth do I share with with my with my two girls in this in this moment and they walk in the door and you talk about a tough conversation my pastors are, are sitting there with me and they're phenomenal people <laughs> like i said i've been there 19 years with them they've known me since i was 21 and they're sitting there with me and they're there and the girls walk in and they already heard they already heard from from their mom what was going on and and so now it's my turn and the number one thing I did not want to do was blast them. I'm not going to blast her. And so I just began to share, you know, you already have heard from mom what's happening. And out of the respect and the love I have for your mom, I am going to respect her decision, but it's not my decision. I want you to know that. This is not my decision. This is hers. I did not pick this. I didn't lie, but I didn't give them all the truth. Um, I hugged them. And the greatest thing, uh, timely was 9, 10, that you could ever have was, Dad, you've been our anchor. Thank you for holding us still. And you give stuff like that, and you're like, all this process and all these things where open conversations happen with kids, it's coming down to this moment and how I handle it even still now. And having this open form that I've been so <laughs> bluntly honest with my girls about everything. We have conversations about everything, you know. And they were able in that moment to hug love, we're going to be okay. And then you're like, this was not God's plan. This was not God's choice. But just because this happened doesn't mean that God doesn't have a different plan for us and that our circumstance right now does not define who we now are as a family. 
you know, I'm, I'm saying these things to them also to help myself, like, okay, this is not me, this is not me, this circumstance has not defined me. But we got through these moments, but then to say God loves you dearly, and we're no longer going to have this happen, and they were able to pick themselves up, and then they'll shock you. Okay, what are we going to do today? Let's go have fun. I'm like, man, I just bawled my eyes out. You're ready to go have fun, right? We're not doing anything. We're going to sit here for a minute, you know? And like, what are we going to go do? We're going to have fun. We're okay. And, you know, slowly we've revisited that conversation. Now, how are you doing now almost a year later? How are you doing now since everything has been finalized? Where are you at? How are things going? And they'll talk when they want to. And don't keep pushing the envelope on those really tough, tough things. When you talk to your kids openly, truthfully, and age appropriately, it's going to help create an environment of peace and security, and you become that anchor for, for that kid in that moment. There's so much more that I could have shared about my dad's death or about you know having their, uh, their great-grandfather who's still alive. Now he's battling uh, bone marrow cancer. You could share that, or you could share way more detailed information in these things. But why? Because it, it takes away their safety, and it takes away their peace. So I just appreciate you guys letting me be vulnerable and open here in, in that place because I, I'm learning that you know I need to let my life become a testimony for other people um, and, and allow it to help even though it still may be painful at times it can help so many so many more the other thing you can tell your kid is that is a great question let's find out more together um, this is a good response to have up your sleeve for complex issues when complex things about science come up things that they're learning in school that that may not line up with scripture that's a great question let's uh, let's look into that more history race gender politics, scary incidents that happen um, in the news or at any other time that question catches you off guard. Your go-to is like, man, that's a great question. Let's, let's find out about that together. Instead of jumping right in and being like, well, let me tell you what I think about this. That doesn't do any good. You're just maybe you're giving them your emotion and not truth in those, in those times. Let's explore this together because that question is a really big one. Let's look in the Bible. Let's go to the library. Let's get on the internet. Let's do some more, more investigation. Let's maybe watch a movie or a film or something that is going to help us because not everything in that moment needs to be answered, okay? Just because they asked a question, you don't need to come up with an answer two minutes later. It could come up, hey, let me think about it, and we'll come back to you. But again, circle back around in those things. Maybe you don't like the way that you initially answered your child's question. Don't worry. You can go back and ask for a do-over. Kids are resilient. They don't mind do-overs. They're not going to be like, sorry, you messed up the first time, not going to let you do it again. No, they will let you have do-overs because it's like I'm thinking more about what you asked, and I'd like to find out more of that answer together. This approach gets you off the hook so you don't feel like you're making something up that you might regret later. We don't always have to have the answer in the moment because not having an answer doesn't make you a bad parent. Okay? Uh, reassure them that they are safe and loved. With every question they ask, that's all they want to know is, can I trust the person I'm asking the question to? Are they going to love me after I ask this question? And am I going to be punished or am I going to be safe when I ask this question? And always reassure them that they're safe and loved and that no question that is asked is going to ever change the way that you feel about them. And that's all my kids still want to know. Almost a year has passed since our initial conversation, and they still want to know that they're safe and loved. That's all they want to know. My, my eight-year-old Paisley still wants to know if it's okay for her just to sit in bed with me at night because she wants to feel safe and loved. I can be like, get out of bed, man. You're eight years old. Go sleep in your arms. Like, okay, she's still dealing with things. Just 
Derek, get over yourself and just let her sit there until she falls asleep and you can go sleep in her bed. Who cares? It's a bed, you know, whatever. And just let her stay there until, until she does that. Or she'll crawl in the feet when she's really upset with me and she doesn't want to be in the room and, and then she, I just let her crawl in. She'll sneak in. You can hear her because she's loud. She comes crawling in. She'll curl up down at the end of the bed and, and she wants me to pretend that I don't know she's there. And then she wakes up. I was in bed with her. I'm like, when did you get here? He's like, you already know. He's like, you can't feel. She's eight. She's like a little mini elephant coming in the bed with you, you know. Because when, when kids grapple with anything that is scary, that is uncertain, um, anything that these questions that they have are going to fundamentally change what's going on in their life, they automatically know, want to know. They don't care about what's going to happen to everybody else. They want to know what's going to happen to me. Will I be safe and will I be taken care of? That's the three motivating factors of why they're asking you that question. And those are the questions you need to answer, even if they aren't really being asked to you. If it's a school shooting in the news, they want to know whether their own school is safe. You can talk about it. Talk about everything that adults are doing to keep them safe. Don't be like, oh, well, no, your school's a dangerous place and we need to get you out of there. No, just here's what your school teachers love and this is what they're trying to do to keep you safe. And that is why you go through these drills. You know, none of us had to go through these drills. This was not our norm. These are their kids' norms. And so what I've started to do with my girls is, hey, I know you're having your, your safety drills today. What'd you do? Because I want to do it with you. How'd, what'd they tell you to do? Dad, we got to, today they told us this is what we're going to do. And we just do it in our house. And they're like, oh, good, that made us feel like it's a normal part of life because it might not be normal for us, but it is normal for them. It's their normal everyday life, and they do these things. So if it's a divorce, they need to hear that both their parents still love them. And if it's somebody in your church that you're working with families, you need to sit both of them down and talk to them. I'm talking to a family right now that is dealing with this same issue that I've had to dealt with. You talk about not wanting to relive it, but I'm like, listen, you two need to sit down and tell your kids that they're loved because they're stuck in the middle of this. And I get you guys are mad, but they're still sitting right here. Love them. If you don't make it, you still love them and show them that they're loved no matter if you guys can't get along or not. You still love them and give them that consistency and keep their routines and help them feel safe. If it's the death of the loved one, make sure they know that there are many people in their lives who are still alive and that they love them. Don't always just focus it on so-and-so died and they're gone forever. No, it's we're still here and we love you immensely and that's not going to change. But then it's like, are you going to die one day? Yeah, yes, we will. But right now we're all together and we're going to have as much fun and as much family time as, as we can have. The other thing is this, take care of yourself and don't be afraid to share your emotions. Um, we adults need to have our own support system and time when your kids are dealing with hard things and when we're dealing with hard things. Because if most of the time, if it's a conversation or a question your kid is having a hard time with, you're probably dealing with it at the same time. And so it's take time and take care of yourself. The biggest thing I have learned over you know 19 years of kids ministry is um, if I'm not taking care of myself mentally, spiritually, and physically, I'm never going to be able to help a child. And if something is lacking here, if if you're not taking care of yourself mentally, no matter how much you're doing physically and spiritually, you're not going to be a whole healthy person. And if that area is lacking, the other two areas are going to lack as well. It's just going to happen. If you're not taking care of yourself physically, your mental state and your spiritual state are not going to be where you want them to be. It all goes hand in hand. So take care of those parts. For example, if your family has to attend a funeral, you can ask a good friend or extended family member to help 
shepherd your child in that moment in case you need a moment to get away. It's okay to get away. Tell your families that you work with, it's okay for you to get away, to get that break in that moment when you're dealing with these difficult, difficult things. We shouldn't be walling ourselves up and doing, doing life alone. And I am grateful for the people that have been in my life over the last couple of years that have not allowed me uh, to, to wall myself up. And when they've caught me walling myself up, man, they're right on the phone like, dude, what are you doing? Where are you? Why haven't you posted anything on Facebook? Why haven't you texted? Why haven't you called? Because I don't feel like it. You know, it's like, but you're not going to do life alone. And I've had people just not allowing to do life alone. And the strength that that gave me was able to go right back into my kids' lives. Because I'm like, they're not letting me be alone, and they're picking me up. Now I have the strength to go ahead and pick up my kids and continue to walk through with them. Or the other families that are in our church that I'm still walking through their difficult situation, dealing with my own. I know I've got the backing of so many other people, and it allows me to dive in and have the backs of these other families. Even though I'm weak, I'm able to give them what strength I have because I know somebody's going to be there, there for me as well. It is okay to cry, all right? Guys, cry, it's okay. I am the biggest crybaby in the world. Uh, we watch uh, Coco. I love that movie. <laughs> and now the joke is every time the girls, they say, What's, we want to watch Coco. And I know they want to watch it. They want to watch it, so I start crying. <laughs> and so, so we get to that part in the movie, and they're looking at me. I'm like, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm so stupid, Coco. I can't even cry. And they just love it because... But, you know, for them, it's now become a joke. We're going to cry at Coco. But, dude, I cried everything. And I let my kids see it. I let them see it. When, when my dad died, I let them see it. When, when my marriage fell apart, I can't hide that. I mean, I had to let them see it and let them see that dad is hurting as much as we are hurting. And I can't just suck it all out and be like, nope, nothing wrong with me. You know, I'm okay. In, in our kids' ministry, when I'm talking to our kids, dude, I cry in front of our kids. I mean, there will be 80 kids sitting in there. And we're getting into something, and next thing you know, I'm just like weeping because something just hits me. You know, last week, a little girl, we tell the kids that they got to rise, and rise is reach all, include all, stand up for all, embrace all. And you guys can do that, and that is what we are to do as Jesus to show others we are going to rise. And, and this little girl, she's like, her mom told me, she's like, yeah, the other day at school after you told him to rise, she went and stood up for a little boy who had special needs because he was being bullied. She stepped up. Tim crying. You know, it's like she stepped up right in front of him and was like, no. You're not going to do that. Does it make you feel good to pick on somebody else? And, and I shared this with the rest of the kids. And I didn't use her name because she's sitting right there. And I asked, can I tell your story? And can I use your name? And she goes, nothing like that. And I'm like, okay. You know, I'm trying not to make it obvious who I'm looking at. And I was like, you know, this is what this person did. And, and I just started crying in front of all these kids. And I'm like, that's okay. It's okay for these kids to see this emotion and for me to tell them how proud I am of them for doing something that was super difficult. And you, you were able to get up that morning and said, I'm going to be Jesus and I'm going to rise. And I was like, so great. And now it's just become a normal part of, in, in, in our kids' ministry. Like, oh, Pastor Derek's just going to cry. I'm like, whatever. You know, he's just going to cry. I talk about Jesus did this word. I'm crying. I sing worship. I'm crying. And it's like, whatever. Who cares? That's who I am. I'm not going to hide away from the fact that this is who I am. I want these kids to see that it's okay to have emotion. You shouldn't bottle them up. They have to talk about it. In our kids' uh, ministry, we, we talk about what it's like to feel depressed. 
you can ask him, like, how many of you guys are dealing with this? You just don't know why your body feels a certain way. And you wake up and you're like, I feel like my heart's up here in my throat. Hard conversations that maybe parents don't want to have with their kids, but we just flat out do it. And if your grown-ups don't like it in your church, I'm like, dude, I'll just ask for forgiveness later, but I can't not talk about this to these kids. And they're like, yeah, I don't know why I feel like this. I'm like, it's okay. I've been there. I know what this feels like. And here's what we can begin to do. If you were to ask your kids and the ones that you work with, how many of you ever just, you feel so anxious and you feel so nervous when you wake up in the morning? They're going to tell you they do. And so instead of shying away from it because you don't have the answers, it's like, hey, I felt that way too. And let me tell you what I do. Let me share how I get through these things. Because a lot of times hard things, when you're listening to them, it's not going to come out as, oh, I feel this way. Where as a grown-ups, we can tell you how I feel. I can explain to you anxiety. I can explain to you depression. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I get that. For them, it's going to be like, I don't know why my stomach hurts. My stomach hurts so bad right now. And you're like, okay, well, do you need to go to the bathroom? No, no, okay. Do you feel like you're going to throw up? No, but it just hurts and I don't want to get out of bed. And that's my eight-year-old every morning when she's with me. I don't want to get out of bed today. I'm like, sweetie, let's pray. This is nothing about you're sick. You're feeling anxious about something. What is going on? What is happening today that is causing all of this. And so it's listening to that question. I feel sick. Do you really feel sick? Do you really just here take some Tylenol? You know, because that's not really might not be the downline. Ask those questions and get there. But the biggest thing I can leave you with is this. Talk to your kids in your ministries. And a lot of times maybe get permission from the families that you're working with. But talk to them openly. You know, if something has happened or there's a, a, a you know, a a tragedy or something that's happened in your communities or in your schools or there a tragedy that's happens in the nation, don't shy away from it that next Sunday that you're there. Bring it up because they're all thinking about it. Every one of them is thinking about what they've just seen on TV or they've heard or they've heard their parent talk about. They're all ready to talk about it and just bring it up into the open, share it in a safe way, and then pray right then and there. Pray for that. Pray for their fears. Pray for whatever is going on. Pray for it. Talk to them truthfully. Talk to them age appropriately. Because every hard conversation you have with a child is only going to build more trust with that child. And trust is then what's going to allow other hard conversations to uh, happen in the future. And it doesn't matter when that age of a child is. If you didn't start when they were three or you started when they're 13, start having those conversations now even now my daughter is 11 i am now the dad that gets to have the fun conversations of dealing with a a prepubescent 11 year old who's growing three heads at times and screaming at me and 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 just making easy things i'm like hey sweetie i've i've packaged you in your backpack there's a little purse for you and it has your pad just in case and i haven't made it weird and she doesn't think it's weird anymore. Or, you know, I've even joked with her, hey, I, we need to go buy you a new bra because I'm tired of looking at this, okay? Come on, we got to go do this. And now she just kind of giggles about it. It's like, okay. And it's like, what, you know, what 11-year-old girl wants to go with her dad to go buy a new bra? Well, mine does because it's been normal, everyday conversations where she's felt safe and she knows that in that moment, I'm not going to pick on her too much, okay? I'm not going to make a big joke about it. I'm not going to shame her. And like, all this stuff is natural and normal, and I know, sweetie, you don't like it. Trust me, Dad don't like it either, because I want you to be little forever. But you're not, and you're a beautiful young woman, 
and you're growing up, let's go and just be honest. Be honest, open with kids, and man, man, they're going to they're gonna thrive in your environment and in your ministry. So I'm going to stop there. So if you guys have any questions or anything like that, and if you don't, then I want to um, I want to kind of give you guys some other pieces and resources that are downstairs for you guys. So anything you guys have? Oh, thank you. Yeah. See, I. Yeah, I know all the kids are different. Right. But I, I don't think that's the thing I need. I think you know, for those for those conversations, if a kid does say that, um, for me, I have dealt with it to the place where I have laid on the bathroom floor and have been throwing up, wondering what in the world is going on with me, and then I would spiral from that moment of I'm not getting out of bed and I won't eat for four days to now I'm so anxious and I shouldn't be this way and I so. Yeah, for me, it's easy to say I get that feeling and I can explain what that feeling is to that kid because that's how they're explaining it to me and how their body feels. Um, I think the biggest tool that you can do if a kid comes to you and is like, man, I just feel depressed. Listen to how they're talking. They're not going to come out and say the word depressed because they don't know what that really means. It's going to come out and I just I don't feel happy. I'm not happy right now. Well, why aren't you happy? You know, it's just continuing to ask more pinpointed questions to really get down to the bottom of it. They might not be happy, and you might think, oh, this child's super depressed. It might just not be happy because their sister slapped them in the face before they got to church, and that might be the reality of it. And so it's, it's continuing to go deeper and deeper with simple questions with them. And then if you get to the place where you're like, I really think this child needs to go and talk with somebody, then that's where the conversation gets even harder because now you're having to go to mom and be like, hi, you know – I really think so-and-so, your, your daughter's sweet, she's lovely, but I really do think that we need to have a deeper conversation with you. And I don't want to alarm you, but I think there's something else going on. And she's saying these things, and here's some of the things that she said to me. Can you explain this, maybe what's going on? Mom may know, dad may know what's going on. They may have no clue. But it's then putting them into um, the right resources to get your kid in to talk to a professional. Um, this topic for me is, is, could be a whole new session because it's something that I, I've lived with and it took me years to get to the place to say, this is a normal piece. I am not healthy. I am, I am ill. I am, if you want to use the term mentally ill, you just use it. One in three, one in four people that you will come in contact with has a form of mental illness, whether it's depression, anxiety, or something even bigger. So in this room, there's 30 plus of us. That's, it's the odds are here, and I guarantee some of you could come to me and be like, that's me, that's me, that's me. Um, but the more you make something like this open, the more natural it becomes to talk about, and that's freeing for people. Um, I am so grateful to be in a church where it's openly talked about, because we will talk about cancer, we will talk about heart attacks, and we need liver transplants, and we have this, and we have this. But, man, you talk about mental illness. I don't want nothing to do with you. You're crazy. No, that person's not crazy. They're just ashamed to talk about it because they know what answer they're going to get. Sorry, this is not anything about this. This is something completely different. So I'm glad you asked that question. But um, it's something completely different than what the church really wants to talk about because the answers that I started hearing when, when I was finally beginning to be open with what I was struggling with was, why don't you just pray more? Well, just trust Jesus, let go and let God, and, and do all these things. And 
That is true. However, you don't really realize that person that is struggling in that moment is probably trusting God more than you are and is nonstop praying and is nonstop in the word and they're hearing it and it's not helping. And so it's directing that family and that kid into a place that is helpful for them. And it's also not to shame that kid, to make them think that there's something not wrong with them. The word that I, I hate, this word, is normal. You're, it, no, normal. Oh, it is not. Because that was what I said. You're just, Derek, you're just not normal. And you begin to hear that. And if a kid hears that, well, you're just not acting normal. And so the better term would he use is this. You're just not acting in a healthy way. I get that I'm not healthy, but I am normal, okay? I'm normal, but I'm just not healthy. And, and so it's sharing those things, but keeping them open and just talking about it as if it's natural. You're not going to hide any other illness. You're going to get treatment for it. This one, we've decided we don't need to get treatment for, and we can just hide it. And it's rampant now in our kids because, well, the reality is because we as adults, we didn't deal with it ourselves. Well, I didn't have to talk about it. Then I'm good. Why do they? No, they're seeing how we haven't dealt with it, and it's stressing them out because they see it in us. And they're, a lot of times they're mimicking how we're actually living. And they're seeing how if, if dad is up here one day and running around the house like a crazy person, and the next minute he's laying down in bed and can't get out of bed for days, that's what they see. Oh, well, that's just okay, healthy, natural this is just behavior, and so they're going to mimic that as well. And if you're not getting the help for it, they're more than likely not going to get the help for it. And if you don't know the answer, point that family into, into somebody. If you can find a Christian counselor, I will tell you right now, for two years I have been seeing a, a counselor, a Christian therapist or whatever, and it has been the greatest thing I have ever done in my life. And it wasn't just for... You know, walking through, it did help me walk through this, this plan to the place where I'm here and, and I can talk about it. I'm not sharing the whole story. Stacy knows the whole, she knows a lot of the story because it was in those moments. I'm like, I don't know what to do. But to be able to stand here and, and be able to walk through what I actually did and how I walked through this, I couldn't have done that without getting the help to heal all these past wounds and pieces that I was willing to able to dive into to get me to a place that I was healthy. And so I'm a proponent for when I say keeping yourself mentally healthy, everybody, if you were in ministry, you should go and see a therapist. Seriously. Our church makes it mandatory for us to go, and they pay for us to go because they understand that we don't have somebody that we can go and talk to. And so our board, our deacons have said, you know what? For our pastors, we are making it mandatory that they go to six counseling, six therapy sessions, and we are paying for it. That's expensive. But they see it, and they realize that if we don't have someone to go and talk to to get this stuff we're not just going to go and talk to the person sitting in the seat because that's not a safe place for us. And so we've made it safe in, in this way. So great, great question. Thank you, Stacy. Yes. No, yeah. It is. That's their normal. Yeah, that's normal. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, um, a lot of a lot of those types of, of questions, you know, especially when it comes to gender, it comes to homosexuality, especially when it, in the church. And, you know, our church, we've had homosexual couples walk in the door and the kids see them and they're sitting in the pews holding hands together. And and you're just like, uh, what do you say? Because kids see it. You're right. How do you say this? And you run the risk of do you say something that is going to be not appropriate with the family? Um, and especially when you guys are ministering, you really have to be careful in those moments. I know you want to say something um, to that child, but you also you have to realize that you don't want to offend. You don't want to offend the other parent that's going to be there because once you offend Mama Bear or whatever, they're coming at you. Why in the world did you tell him that? And I think it always goes back to that is a really great question. Why don't we now together, let's talk with, with mom about this or whoever, if that child, whatever, we don't use, I, I'm saying mom here because, you know, you guys are here, but in our church, we don't use the term mom or dad. We use grownups because we have kids in foster care, kids come with grandma. We don't know who's bringing who. So it's, let's talk with your, hey, you know what? What can together, can we talk with your grownup? Then have that side conversation first off with the grownup. Hey, here's what your child just asked me. How do we together now answer this question for your child because I don't want to say something again that you're not ready to talk about um, how I would answer it to my kids would just be like this you know this is just again this is just how I would answer it to my own child you know what yeah and I know you see this happening all the time where we see men holding hands with men and they're seeing them give hugs and kisses in public and we see women holding hands with women but you know for us as as believers and we love Jesus here's what the Bible tells us and the Bible tells us that you know, what they're doing is wrong. You know, but what we do is we still love them. They are still created in God's image. And even though what they're doing is wrong and what the Bible would say, this is, this is sin, we're not going to look at them any differently than what we would look at somebody else. And that girl, that little friend of yours that has, they, she's got two moms, guess what? It's not her fault. It is not her fault that she has two moms. So you don't treat her any differently either. You just go and love. And you can still go to their house and play. Go for it. You know, it doesn't it doesn't bother me because, you know, what? I'm not you can't be afraid of these things. You know, there's society's changing so quickly in our kids lives, you know, and the church reacts very quickly. Oh, what are we going to do? You know, don't be afraid of it. Just it is their normal every day. This is their life. So if you're showing fear, that kid's going to show fear and then they're going to grow up with maybe the wrong answers or they're going to have in their head. Oh, I need to be scared of this person because they didn't know how to talk to me about it. So just. I think that's, that's, you know, how I would tell you as a leader in that classroom, maybe not do it how I would talk to my own child in that moment, because it's my child, but it's not your child. Have the conversation with parent first, and then bring them in. Share with this is the question. Go in. Can we have a conversation together? If you feel like you have a really good answer, but give that answer to mom first to make sure that is okay, or give that with dad first, that that's an okay question. And if any time, other thing with mom and dad situations, if any time you can have a conversation that's tough and you're having it as a leader with other people in your church, do it with both parents, okay? Don't separate them out. I've made the mistake many times where you say something to somebody, they get going, that one person in the family, mom's like, oh, that's a great answer. Dad, here's the answer I get. Man, he's right in my office ripping me up a new one because he did not like the answer I gave him. Like, I didn't give a wrong answer. Your wife loved my answer. She thought it was great. He doesn't like it. Do it together. And so that'd be something else to do.
another yeah another good resource for you guys is um there's a it's by brian dollar it's called talk now not later and talk now and later yeah yeah sorry And they know you don't know what you're right. saying. Exactly. They they trust me. They know. So oh, he's just making this up, you know. That would be a far better way. Um, and they're going to, um, they're going to make sure that you convey it to a process and that the process is set up so that you can say the right thing. I don't have any other questions that I can answer for you guys. Um, just to connect with the rest of the people that are here and share why um, this is such an important subject. Yeah, your conversation never stops. It always it continues to go. You just build on it because then you can have deeper conversations with them as they as they go. So, hey, I, I do want to challenge you guys. If you don't, if you're needing resources, there's a table downstairs. You've probably seen it. But uh, I just brought up a couple, um, and Stacy told me I could do this. So I've actually written a book, um, and it is a actually for um, parents to, to sit down with their children to start that process of how does a parent disciple their child. Um, and it walks through. This one is our, the first one that I've done, and it's got – um, on salvation, it's got water baptism, it's got prayer um, and communion um, in this. And so it's just a, a real simple and bite-sized pieces for the families in your church to be able to say, hey, here's a great way for you to sit down and talk about Jesus or to talk about these pieces of Christianity with your kids because that's the greatest place they're going to learn it. You guys might have an hour a week, the parents have them the rest of the time. And so it's finding simple tools like that to go. So that's a really good one. Um, it is, it's also on Amazon, yes. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Um, another one, something really awesome that I love, if you don't do this in your church, and we're do, we do this completely different, is um, Junior Bible Quiz. You're looking for something really awesome to, uh, to disciple kids about facts and about scripture. Um, check out Junior Bible Quiz. I didn't bring up the fact pack with the questions because I didn't want to bring that up, but it's, it looks like this. It's orange. It's down there. So something really awesome. And then this is a freebie, right? This one's free. So if you haven't used this and you don't have these, get these. Uh, you can download these, correct? They're on the Ohio Kidman website, and uh, download these. Our families, we started using these in our church, one-minute prayers, and you're praying for all the countries. By the time you'd be done in the year, all the countries in the world, every county in Ohio, and all the missionaries that Ohio that all supports, Ohio. all Ohio, min yeah, Ohio missionaries. This is amazing. I've had parents come to me and be like, my kids can't wait to pray today. And they're bringing the whole family together for a one-minute prayer that turns into a much longer prayer because they're having something. So pick these up as well. And there's all kinds of other ones. Yeah. It's been, it's been so great. Thank <laughs> you. 
Well, thanks guys for coming.